You're listening to audio from Ascend Church. For more information about Ascend or to access more gospel-centered tools to grow as a disciple of Christ, visit ascendkc.org. Grab your Bibles and let's go to Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is where we're going to be landing. I know you guys have been working through the Psalms this summer and learning more about the Lord and His character and how we should be responding to Him and and, uh, worshiping Him with our lives. And so we're going to do that again today in Psalm 77 as we look to turning to God in prayer. That's the title this morning, and it's going to be very specific. You'll see in just a minute as we dive into this what that looks like. So I mentioned earlier we have three daughters. Our middle daughter, Karis, when she was born... Um, she came into the world, like most babies, um, crying, but her cry was so loud and so ear-piercing that I thought someone was killing her in the process of bringing her in. Um, the, the nurse that got her and, and took her over and started to clean her up, she's like, wow, you're loud. <laughs> that is not what you want to hear from a labor and delivery nurse who has babies every day, all day. We have to take her home, like tomorrow. And um, so, so she came, but that was just, that was her. And, but honestly, that's all of us. All of us come into this world crying, right? No one has to teach you how to do that, right, as a baby. It's just a natural response that comes out of us. Crying is what it means to be human. It's part of how we're wired. It's part of what God has given us to deal with pain, to deal with struggle, to deal with sorrow. But the problem is we've learned pretty quickly in this life that crying is not enough right? It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not enough to deal with the pain and the sorrow and the struggle that we experience in this world. We need more than just crying. What the Bible says is that we need something called lament. I don't know how familiar you are with that term. A lot of churches and Christians haven't had a lot of background with lament. Uh, Maybe you have, so that's great, but we're going to dive into that this morning. And lament, the the definition in kind of a, a cultural way is just this, It's defined as a loud cry of mourning or a passionate expression of grief. But in the Bible, it's even more than that. There's a great book, if you're interested in this topic, as we walk through this this morning, uh, there's a book by a pastor named Mark Vrogop, and he's out of Indianapolis. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And he goes all through this topic of lament. And here's what he says. He says, lament is a prayer in pain, that leads to trust. A prayer in pain, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the heartbreak, that leads to trust in the Lord. And that's what we're going to see here in the psalm this morning, that a lot of times when we're reading psalms of lament, it seems like that they're the opposite of praise, right? Like like it's, it's complaining, and it's struggle, and it's pain, but it's not actually the opposite of praise. It's actually the path back to praise again. Lament is the bridge between the pain of life and the promises of God. It's what brings us back into God's presence and God's goodness. And so as we look at Psalm 77 today, it's a psalm of lament. And what's interesting is that's a category of it. If we were to take the entire book of Psalms and, and split it up, about a third, about a third of all the psalms are psalms of lament. Think about that for a second. One-third of the Jewish worship book were in this category of lament. Now that tells me that, man, there's something important here for us, right? Like there's something valuable. They would give a third of their 
worship to lament that we, I need that. We need that if we're going to be faithful followers of the Lord and be able to connect with him in all the ways that he's called us to. And so we want to dive into that today together as this important expression of worship. And there's going to be four parts to lament. I don't have time to get into all of it today. We did a whole series at our church on lament and walked through all of this. But I'm going to touch on these four parts of lament today for you in this psalm. So the first is turn, complain, ask, and then trust. Turn, complain, ask, trust. TCAT. I know that's not actually a word, but there you go, okay? That's your acronym. And what we're going to see as we look at this is this is going to teach us how each part moves us from heartbreak to hope. And we're going to focus primarily on that first part of turning to the Lord. And so here's your big idea for this morning. Turn to God and turning to God and lament is my faith's answer to the tears of despair. Turning to God in lament is my faith's answer to tears, to the tears of despair. So with that thought, let's dive into the scriptures together. Look at verse 1, Psalm 77. He says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. Point number one, lament is turning to God in faith-filled prayer. Faith-filled prayer. You see it right there from the get-go. Verse 1. He says, I cry aloud to God. He's turning to God because he will hear me. That's a statement of faith, right? Like he is confident that God will respond if he prays and turns to him in this time of struggle. And so the first thing we see is that it takes faith to lament. Because without faith, why would we pray? If we don't believe that God is real and that he hears us and that he answers us, why would we bother to pray? There is, why would we hope if God's not going to answer? If there's no hope, we don't need lament. If God is unfaithful to hear us and to respond, then lament is useless. And so we see that here, lament is not a lack of faith but rather the exercise of faith through prayer. Now, when we start reading through the psalm, it's going to sound different than that. <laughs> You're going to say, like, actually, I think he doesn't have much faith based on what he's saying. But it's the opposite of that. He's just, he's, he's wrestling it down, saying, Lord, I believe you're going to do something if I turn to you. The psalmist is in pain, but he's not silent. Because when we're silent, silence leads us deeper into despair. Despair says God can't answer or he won't answer or he doesn't care, and so why bother? And we turn away from God rather than turning to God. But prayerful lament is always better than silent despair. Because it shows that we still have faith in the midst of the pain. The psalmist, although he's in pain, he's not, he's not silent. He's praying rather than sulking. Anybody else a sulker? Anybody with me? Like when things really get bad, you're just like, ugh. And you just kind of want you just sit in it. 
said, no, 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 I got to turn. I got to take this to somebody else. Now, when we're talking about lament, I think, especially in the Christian circles and church circles, sometimes we get afraid of lament when we start reading Psalms like Psalm 77, because he's going to say some, he's going to say some, like some really hard things <laughs> to the Lord here in a second. And we're like, yeah, I don't know if I can talk like that to God, right? Like that seems, that seems a little risky. Like if I, if I'm that honest, if I'm that open, if I'm that real about what I'm feeling and how I'm thinking, like, I don't know how God will respond to that. And so I don't think I can say those things to God. It feels irreverent or wrong, but we're going to see that it's not. There is a place for it. There's a right way to do it, but there's a place for it. You know what's more risky than being real with God? Is not talking to God at all. Being silent is the bigger risk because the moment where I stop praying, where I stop believing that God will answer, that is the ultimate form of unbelief. Silence in the face of sorrow is a death sentence to faith. Silence in the face of sorrow, when it's hardest, being quiet will zap the faith from your heart. I know we don't know each other super well, obviously. We just met this morning, most of us, but um, a little bit about my story. When I was growing up, um, when I was in second grade, my parents got a divorce, and it just completely shocked me. Like, I never saw it coming. My dad was a pastor. We had, I thought we had this great, like, spiritual home, and we were growing in the Word. I, I understood the gospel. They taught me the gospel. I'd been saved. Like, things were going great as far as I was concerned. And then out of the blue, some things that had been, had been festering in my parents' marriage for some, a while, some unhealthy things, finally came to the surface and just blew everything up. And divorce is always hard. It seems to be amplified when it's a pastor's family for everyone involved. And I just, it was a major point of pain and sorrow in my life where I wrestled with God. I wrestled with my faith for a number of years because of that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You've walked through it in different capacities. You've had family or friends. But I wasn't the only one suffering, right? I wasn't the only one in pain. I've heard my dad tell the story multiple times that it greatly affected his faith as well. He says it like this. He says, I was a pastor one day, and the next day I threw my Bible in a box, and I walked away from God. I was done. And he completely turned his back to the Lord because of the sorrow and the pain and the struggle. He didn't know what to do with that. And so for years, he was silent. He just cut God off. And as a result, he spent those years in despair and pain and struggle until finally, by God's grace, he turned back to the Lord. And now all of our family is following the Lord again. Praise the Lord. Praise his name. But in that moment, in that time, in those years of silence, it brought more and more despair to the situation. And I've heard other stories from Christians as I've talked with them, as I've counseled with them, where they're like, I, I just can't anymore. And they just stop. They just cut God off completely. Usually because they're disappointed in God, that he didn't answer some prayer that they had, or because of some circumstances that he allowed into their life, or some relationship that's broken, or some financial issue, or health issue, or there's something. They're like, God, this isn't fair. 
and you didn't help me, and you didn't move, and you didn't fix it, and they get mad at God, or they get frustrated, or they get disappointed, or they lose, they lose their faith, and they go silent. But friends, that's, that's not what's going to help you in those lowest points in your life. Silence ushers you into a spiritual desert, a wilderness, where you're the only one there that can try to help you and you don't have it. And you're going at it alone. And it slowly starves your faith. You know, I've been a pastor long enough to know that in a room like this, a room this size with this many people, some of you are there right now. Some of you are in the midst of some sorrow or pain or grief. You've lost a loved one. You've got a strained relationship. You've got some health crisis you're dealing with. You've got something going on in your life, in your family, and it feels like you are just drowning. And you don't know where else to go. You don't know what else to do. And I'm telling you, the answer that you're looking for is lament. It's turning to God in prayer, not turning away in despair. Lament keeps faith alive by turning to God in prayer. When your faith is struggling, this is what you need. So let's see what the psalmist does. Let's keep going. Look at verse 2. He says, In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open, and I am so troubled that I cannot speak. He's in it deep, right? Point number two, lament is turning to God with honest struggle. With honest struggle. He says right here, he says, I seek the Lord. He's praying, he's turning. He says, but my soul refuses to be comforted. In other words, I'm praying, but it's not working. Anybody ever feel that? God, I'm trying here, I'm praying. It feels like they're just bouncing off the ceiling and hitting me in the head. It's not working. He's not finding the immediate relief. He's not finding the comfort and the resolution that he's looking for. But he keeps praying. You see, we have to understand lament is important, it's powerful, but it's not a magical formula. Simply praying the right words or going through the sequence doesn't mean that God's going to automatically remove the pain or fix the problem or give you an out. It's not something that just automatically makes God fix it. No, lament is persistent prayer based in the hope that one day God will answer. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day the God who is good and faithful will answer if I keep praying and seeking him. Go down to verse 7. He continues, he says, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? 
Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Those are some big questions, right? Because here's the deal, friends. Big pain brings big questions. And he's leveling them here at the Lord, like six big rhetorical questions about his pain. And if we look at it, 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 they're kind of halfway questions, halfway protests, right? Like, Lord, what are you doing? Do you not see this? Where are you at? Where are your promises? Where's your goodness? I've heard you say that, but I don't see it. Not right now. He wants an answer. He wants God to step in and make things right. It sounds like he's doubting the Lord. Is this what he really thinks about God? In a moment, we're going to see that he knows better. But in this moment, in this moment, this is what he feels. He knows it's not true, but it feels true today. And so he turns to God with this honest plea for help. God, this is honestly how I feel right now. He's asking because he has faith that God has a better answer than his feelings. Back home in St. Louis, there's a, a family that we're close to in our church, and they've been going through a very difficult season in their family with a relationship that's broken. And they've been trying desperately to reconcile and, and to fix it and repeated efforts and over and over and over again trying to do it, but it just continues to be severed. I mean, like really, really severed. No holidays, no birthdays, no contact. I mean, just and is breaking their hearts. And it's been years that we've been walking through this with them and, and, and praying. They've had some really big, hairy, ugly, difficult questions for the Lord. Because they're like, what, 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 is, what are you doing? How are you allowing this? We know this isn't what you want. Like, why won't you fix this? And so we've been praying with them diligently and just praying that God would reconcile this family and to bring the relationship back. But he just hasn't done it yet. But sometimes we'll get together with them, and it's been a while now, but we say, well, how's it going? Give us an update. Like, you know, what's, you know anything happening? What can we be praying about? And, and their response at one point was like, no, it's the same. Same. Nothing's changed. No movement. Nothing at all. Like, the same story. Every time we get together, it's the same story. We pray for the same thing. Like, we don't need to do this again today. We can just, like, we don't need to do this anymore. And we're like, no, no, no. We absolutely have to do this again and again and again and again because God will answer if we're persistent in our prayer of lament over this situation. We have to keep turning to God and believing that he is faithful and he has a better answer than our feelings in the moment. That's what that is. It's that feeling that we have that like, I just can't do this again. 
I've just, I'm out. I've run out. It's too much. And our heart is feeling the weight of that. And God says, no, no, turn to me. I'm more true than your feelings. And that goes for all of us. When we find ourselves in those moments of deep sorrow, deep struggle, deep despair, keep praying through the pain in faith that God will answer one day. Can't give up. We've got to keep praying through the pain, believing that he will answer. Look at the psalmist. He goes on in verse 10. He says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. Point number three, lament is turning to God with hope in the gospel. Lament is turning to God with hope in the gospel. The word then, right there in verse 10, is like this key turning point in the psalm, right? In lament, there's always a turning point. It starts with praying, turning to God, uh, um, complaining, asking for help, being honest about the struggle, but then at some point we have to get out of the honest struggle feelings and say, but then I will trust the Lord. Then is the turning point to trust. He's turning from his feelings to facts. Facts about God. Look at verse 10 again. He says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. He's talking about God's character now. Like, God, I know who you are. He goes on in verse 13. He says, Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are a God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. He's like, I know who you are, God. You are a great God. You are a wonder-working God. You have power and might in your hand. You are the Holy One. He's reminding himself, rehearsing, if you will, this is who my God is. I maybe, maybe I don't see it in this circumstance. Maybe I don't feel it right now because of what's going on. But I know this is who the Lord is. And so he starts appealing to God's character. And then he appeals to God's history, his track record. Look at verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. He's like, God, you did it before, and I know you can do it again. And he's remembering God's faithfulness to him and to his people. He remembers what is true of God despite the present pain and questions that he's feeling. You see, again, lament is only possible if you know and believe that God is good. It starts there. That you dare to hope in the Lord despite what you see in the moment. Going back to Mark Brogop, his book I mentioned earlier, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, he says this, he says, hurting people are given permission to grieve. So I don't know how you feel about that this morning, but like, just know, like the Lord says, yeah, you're good. <laughs> it's okay to grieve. 
when you're hurt, when there's struggle, when there's sorrow. Like grief is a gift that God has given us to express these feelings that we have. So oftentimes in America, in our culture, we want to just like run right past grief. Like, all right, feel it for a second and then get past it and let's get back to normal life. God says, no, no, you have permission to grieve. But look what he says. He says, you have permission to grieve, but not aimlessly or selfishly. Ultimately, the grief can't be just about us. He says, the biblical language of lament is able to redirect weeping people to what is true, despite the valley that they're walking through. Lament is God's gift to us to take our grief and redirect it towards him rather than away from him. He goes on in verse 19. He says, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. I love this part. He's going back to the, to the, the biggest events. He says, your, your way was through the sea, that you led your people. When there's pain, when there's struggle, when there's heartache, you don't avoid it. You don't try to, not, you just lead right through it. And he's reminding them of the greatest moment in Israel's history. Their greatest moment of deliverance, their greatest moment of salvation was at the Red Sea, right? They're, they're caught in Egypt, they're slaves, they're away from the the land of the Lord, and God comes and he rescues them, he delivers them, he takes them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, on dry land, and to the promised land. He's pointing them back, he's remembering their salvation and their greatest moment of God's faithfulness in their lives. They had the Red Sea. Today, we have the cross of Christ. That's our big moment. That's the greatest moment of God's faithfulness to us. His love for us, the place of our salvation, the place of our rescue. The cross is where we go with all of our pain and all of our struggle because it is what proves God's ultimate faithfulness and love towards us. That while we were yet sinners— while we were still in rebellion to God, while we were still doing our own thing, disobeying his word, deserving of his wrath, instead of sending his wrath, he sent his son. And Jesus came to earth and was born as a man and lived a perfect and sinless life. And then he willingly went to the cross and died a sinner's death. He stood in our place as a substitute and he took all the pain, all the punishment, all of the, the debt that we owed, and he put it on himself. And he died in our place, and he went into the grave, and three days later, he rose back to life to prove that he was God, to conquer sin and death, and to say, hey, when it's all sideways, when it's all upside down, when you are drowning in the sorrow of your life, if you'll turn away from yourself and turn away from your sin and trust in me, you can have hope. I will deliver you. But we have to turn. We have to turn to God in our greatest times of pain and grief. The cross proves that he is for us, not against us. And so we can trust in him.
Silence leads to despair, but lament leads to hope in Jesus. Silence in the midst of the pain just takes us deeper into the wilderness. But hope in Christ, turning to the Lord, will carry us out. I mentioned my wife, Courtney, earlier. There's been two different times in our marriage where she was going through very difficult points of pain and grief in her own life. One was early on in our marriage at her job. She was being persecuted and had some really uh, nasty things that she had to walk through. But then more recently, she had breast cancer and chemo treatments and had to walk through all of that. In both of those instances, there came a point where she just she no longer had any more words to say to God. She prayed, she tried, she'd done the thing, and she was like, I just, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't bring myself to pray again. So I just don't have it. And so she asked me, she's like, will you pray over me? Because she, she knew that silence was not an option. She knew that that path was not going to get her anywhere, but she didn't have it in herself anymore, so she needed someone else to come alongside her and pray with her and pray for her and help get her through lament. And maybe some of you are there right now today. Maybe that's you. You've been walking through whatever it is in your life for months or years and you've been praying, and you've been trying, and you've been taking it to the Lord, and it's just not fixed, and it's not moving, and you feel stuck, and you feel like you're drowning underneath this weight of despair. And you just don't have any more words to say to God. You just don't have anything else to give in prayer. Friends, silence is not the option. Go to someone. Go to your spouse. Go to a friend. Go to a pastor. Go to your small group leader. Go to someone and say, hey, here's where I'm at. Here, just be honest. I'm struggling here. Will you pray for me? Will you pray with me? Have someone help you pray through that. Or maybe better yet, take your Bible, open it up to the book of Psalms, And find a psalm of lament. Psalm 77, there's lots of others in there. And just pray those words right back to God. Let God's word be your words to pray yourself through that pain. You don't have to add anything even. just, Just read it and pray it back to the Lord and let his word turn you from your pain to trust in him. Because faith-filled lament is always better than silent despair. It's always better. Keep turning to God. Turning to God in lament is my faith's answer to the tears of despair. Whatever pain, whatever grief, whatever sorrow you're struggling with that you're feeling today, even if you have to say some hard things to God, 
It's okay. Look at the example, right? Look at the example of the Psalms. Be honest. Tell God how you're feeling. Talk to him. First of all, he already knows. You can say it. It's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it, okay? Be honest with God. Tell him how you're feeling. Get it out there, but don't stay there. Then trust in the Lord. Turn to his faithfulness. Turn to his character. Don't be silent in your pain. Asking questions is not a lack of faith. It shows that you still have faith that he will answer. So turn and complain and ask and trust and let him respond and carry you through. Don't be silent. Turn to God. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I believe that there may be many in this room this morning, Lord, that are struggling and hurting, who have been wrestling with some pain and some grief in their life for a while. And they're feeling empty and they're feeling drained and they're feeling, they feel like they're drowning in this despair. There's physical pain, there's emotional pain, there's spiritual pain, relational pain. And they're just feeling lost and alone. So God, right now, will you speak to their hearts? Lord, will you call them back to hope again? Will you restore their faith in you today? Holy Spirit, come and help them, Lord, to turn to you in their pain. Meet them right in the midst of it. Remind them, Lord, that you are good and you are faithful. Lord, we know this to be true. We have seen it. We have experienced it. We have read it in your word. We know, Lord, that Christ came to make a way for us. That the cross of Christ is our rescue and our redemption from sin and from suffering. Lord, give us faith to believe in you afresh today. To believe, Lord, that you are good, that your promises are true, and that you are faithful in all things. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.